Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is October the 26th. You are listening to the COB podcast here at AusBiz. Uh, I'm David Scott and uh, joining me today is Annette Beecher, luckily enough. Uh, Annette, uh, how was your day? It was an interesting day. We actually came in full of excitement, big numbers coming out of the US. The futures were looking positive after that first hour of trade and it just seems to have lost a bit of fizz over the rest of the day. Yeah, we'll go probably get to, there's a few risk events that are coming up, which we've probably got to keep a close eye on, but the market has had a pretty decent run. Now, even over the last week, I think it's still up around about uh, almost 1% mm. and still hovering around six-week highs. So nothing to go and scoff at, but beneath the surface, we can't go and escape the news story domestically of the day. And of course, that's Crown Resorts now. It sure is. Two years <laughs> to go and get clean up its act. Now, yes. One man in control to go and, and oversee this. So one Victorian state government representative is apparently going to oversee all of Crown's operations over a two-year period to prove that they can keep their licence. And so the reason why Crown bounced on that is there was a small risk that they would have just lost their licence outright. But we had quite a few interviews today and it just seems to be they'd already made some moves on management, for example, and so seemed to have cut them some slack. Yeah, a lot of our guests, and we're going to get to some of the other commentary that we saw there, but just from a broader perspective, can a leopard change its spots? Because I think it's almost mm. impossible to go and say that you can eliminate money laundering from casinos. It comes across as one of those industries that no matter how hard you go, Unless you're going to have you know, a compliance officer at every single person expecting their wallet where those funds mm. came from, it's going to be pretty difficult. Well, it's a bit like, you know, in when you're investing or doing a client agreement, when you do the uh, the KYC, as we call it, know your client, where's the money coming from? Are there shell companies? Is there a paper trail? And you literally can't control what people are walking in with when they're taking the money out of the ATM. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes in the two years, but certainly had a pretty uh, big bounce today, up nearly 8%. So we'll keep a close eye on how that goes and all the broker moves that will probably come with that mm, over the so. next few days. I'll tell you one person who thought that it was almost a, a given that uh, the uh, decision coming through today would be the one that arrived, and that was Nathan Summersundrum. He said it's, uh, it's basically, given like, the risk, the sovereign risk as well, mm. the investment risk and everything else, to go yes. and say, like, oh, we're not going to go and, uh, and renew that license. Well, that would have been very problematic from a longer-term perspective across other industries as well and of course our favorite governance helen bird from swinburne uni basically said they're simply too big to fail yeah so they've been given a two-year lead to prove that they're too big to fail but operating as cleanly as possible yeah henry jennings from marcus today also weighed in at the close and uh, also went and spoke with steve johnson from forager fund so all those interviews are up on the website right now I encourage you to go and have a listen get their take as to what that means a crown and the casino complex uh, more broadly here listed in australia although uh, just to finish the topic well, henry jennings did say it was a hold 
He didn't say it was a buy or a sell. He sort of said just have a hold. He reckons everyone's going to go have a drink at the uh, casino he bar. He thinks so. The reopening trade at the casino. If he's shouting, I'm going to be there. <laughs> well, given there was so much commentary about it today, it would be amiss of us not to go and make our stock of the day Crown Resort. So we went and sat down today with uh, Scott Phillips and the Motley Fool and uh, Mark Mullen from Team Invest to see whether the investment thesis stacks up for the casino operator. Of a, of a copper pulling you over and saying, now you're driving too fast, but you promised to try not to drive too fast over the next couple of years, you can keep your license. It was a pretty much, look, it was a big deal. It is a big deal, but the market expected it already. Shares up about eight or 9% already today as we speak. Yes, investors should be happier than they were this time yesterday or, or even a couple of hours ago. Whether that makes it investable at the current price, I'm far from sure I, I wouldn't be buying it. Since 2014, it's been a steady downhill slide of minus 23% per year average drop in EPS. It's actually a loss-making business. There's no no PE. Um, there's no way a team investor would be interested in touching it. In fact, when we looked at it in 2014, it failed very categorically based on just on the fact that it's gambling and most of our members are want to invest in things they're comfortable with and they don't want to be part of uh, promoting gambling. But that's just a personal choice. Right. So, had a decent rally today, but not going in the portfolio. So, yeah, that is a no for Crown Resorts. Another one of the news stories after overnight, of course, earnings season in the States is, is rollicking along. We saw Facebook out, which a bit of a slight miss, a bit of a meh, but in after hours trade, it was up. It's managed mm. to go dodge the, uh, the Apple privacy bullet, uh, mainly for the time being. But uh, it's going to be pretty big. Uh, I know a couple of names of the head. Alphabet out tonight, Microsoft. Yeah, uh, Amazon. Amazon. So, a range of big boppers on the horizon. But that wasn't the story overnight it was tesla share price and it, it was, was driven by hertz now remember hertz is the company that we were it was of, a meme stock yeah, we, were, we were joking about it like all the people piling in meme stock you no know, trying to gamma squeeze at the bankrupt you no know, company mm-hmm. now of course it's come out of bankruptcy it's a i think it was a reverse uh, no entrance via a spac mm. back onto uh, to the did. market and a uh, hundred thousand uh tesla has been ordered uh, to arrive by the end of next year. Now, what did you make of the, the share price reaction? I, first I of don't all? even know where to start. Let's face it, 100,000 cars would be one month's worth of demand out of China. Like it's in terms of the scale of the demand of Tesla cars, it's it's really not that big a deal. But the market loved it and Tesla, boom, a trillion dollar company. Yeah, a trillion dollar added over 100 billion US dollars <laughs> in the space of less than six hours. Now that just gives you some insight. Wow, Elon Musk, no wonder he's so, he's so smiley all the he time. He sure I'll, is. I'll be feeling pretty good as well if I was uh, making about 100, million, 100 billion, I should say, a US a night. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, look, I think from the broader thematic, it really comes and shows what's going on in that space. And one thing I can really go and hang my hat on and, and say that I'm very bullish about is the outlook for when it comes to EV demand. I just think that there's going to be a lot more uh, no competition out there than what the market is perhaps factoring in. So it does weigh very well when it comes mm. to those lithium producers, other battery material suppliers. We had a good chat with David Lane today from Audmanet when he gave us his take as to the names that he likes in the space moving forward. He did. He particularly liked Oracobra. I know that's a name you hear a lot, but he just said the deal with Galaxy, of all the lithium plays out there, he 
he says, Ordmanet says there's still plenty of juice in that lemon. That was his favourite. The others, like Pilbara, for example, were more of a hold. And have a li- listen to David's interview. If you don't don't want to buy a single stock, he recommends three or four ETFs as well. Yeah, plenty of options out there for the investor who is interested in that space. Uh, I tell you, uh, Cara, everyone loves to trade. Uh, today we spoke with Chris Conway and uh, got his eye to look over a few of those locally listed names. Karoon Energy was one on the list. Uh, he's uh, no. No, it's not saying it's overbought, but it's had a pretty good run, like most of the energy sector. Mm. He's also got another couple of uh, no buy recommendations out there, so make sure you listen into that. Uh, we also had a really good chat towards the end of the program today with Quentin Webb from the Wall Street Journal out of Hong Kong. Now, Evergrande, uh, no property developers, lots of stuff going on in China, not necessarily the kind of things that add to the bullish investment case. Well, he had quite a few insights, and I think uh, in the interview, he actually detailed top to bottom in terms of the priority of housing in China and of course number one priority is get citizens into homes then there's four or five steps and then right down the bottom guess what it's offshore offshore or foreign investors as demonstrated by that 11th hour Evergrande coupon payment he was of the view that it just demonstrated that foreign investors are not the top of the pops when it comes to uh, getting your money back. Yeah I know there's a lot of enthusiasm towards China from the offshore community the, the foreign investor community but you do wonder this common prosperity, what it means, because you know, we talk about the other uh, tall poppy syndrome here in Australia. No, mm. yeah, are we going to see this continuously? Companies that perform really well and have great services, great products, get penalised because they're successful. That's what it comes across as. You can't be too successful. You've mm. got to be run of the mill. And I'm not sure that's going to go and add, uh, really come to better economic and social outcomes moving forward to go and, uh, and destroy uh, those really well, top-performing capital as, companies. As you know, one reason why people are billionaires is because they've put their capital at risk to provide for you know it to provide its products so to to be never rewarded for providing products it's it certainly keeps a lot of our investors on the sidelines and we had a bit of a laugh there Quentin standing there in Hong Kong Scotty finished with uh, so tell us what it's like on the ground there and he was basically this zero COVID policy is not helping Hong Kong because they, they still have 21 days in quarantine if you visit. So I don't think anyone will be thinking about Hong Kong as a financial hub when you've got those sort of policies still in place. And you must have done this uh, podcasting caper before because that's a wonderful segue to my view of the day. <laughs> and it's a little burning issue at the back of my mind and something that I think we should all be keeping a pretty close eye on because it's related to that very fact, the zero tolerance approach when it comes to COVID and spread in China. Now, We've seen that there's been an outbreak in uh, several northern provinces. Now, that's mm. where highly populated, you know, all of China is you know, very densely populated along the coastline. Mm. But we're talking about you know, tens of me- or hundreds of millions Means, of people yeah. in the, uh, those regions. And we saw earlier this year, of course, there was one COVID case went and shut down, the third busiest uh, port. containerized port right. in the world for nearly a week. Now, if this zero COVID approach goes and continues and this outbreak worsens, as is speculated that it might go and do over the next, uh, next week or so, the risk, I think, that we're going to see really widespread disruptions come through mm-hmm. in China is growing exponentially. Now, that does take place. You talk about the supply chain disruptions at the moment. You talk about economic growth. Those two things are going to be upended even more so than what we're looking at at the moment. Yeah, it sounds like that last, as we know, that last Chinese GDP report had a forehandle in front of it. Maybe that could be the new normal because as we've found out the hard way, zero COVID strategies are detrimental to economic growth. And that does 
go against the grain of common prosperity when you're not growing and not adding jobs. Yes, let's um, let's go and look to uh, another session ahead. Now, it's not every day that it, uh, economic data released here in Australia is probably going to be very influential on not only uh, the equity market but other markets more broadly. We've got the inflation report here Woo-hoo! domestically tomorrow. At last. Now, let's go back a week and a half. Now, we saw the Kiwi CPI report come out. Now, it was nearly double. Uh, the level expected mm. in the quarter and of course no nearly five percent annualized and the market just read that and all of a sudden we're betting on rate hikes everywhere around the world including here in australia next year very different commentary from the rba but a lot of people are saying that the rba is going to be tested by what it's going to likely be a pickup in inflationary pressures when you look at that report tomorrow when it drops mm. at eleven thirty, what will you be looking for first and foremost i think well how the, the kiwis are very good at saying these are this is tradable inflation and this is demand domestic inflation. The reason why the Kiwis have always differentiated is you can't do anything about tradable inflation. But in the case of the Kiwis, oh gee, the cost of doing business domestically absolutely accelerated. Just as a reminder, that quarter on quarter number was 2.2. So if you're standing in the US, you're talking 10% annualised inflation. So the problem is translating that here to Australia, like we should have a massive jump in construction costs. But thanks to Home Builder, it sort of distorted those numbers a little. So we're not quite sure of a clean read on that. Something like childcare, that had uh, government fingerprints all over it uh, as well. Kiwis also have a September quarter jump in rates, utilities, tobacco and alcohol, and we have that as well. So it will be the case where all of that detail will be forgotten. All we'll do is look at our Reuters screen and go, what is the trimmed mean measure? And then go backwards from there. The market's looking for 1.8. That sounds awfully modest when you had um, you know, ANZ inflationary expectations embedded in that consumer sentiment report. Uh, a 2014 high of five. There's a big gap between five and 1.8. There is. Those housing components are massive. They're the largest components within the CPI basket. Yep. Uh, we know that rents is probably going to be some upper pressure coming through in capital city rents. We've seen that in other private sector surveys. And at some point, and this is where they think we don't know when it's going to be, mm-hmm. that home builder subsidy is going to go and reverse out. out. Yep. And then we're going to go and see the real impact start coming through on the annualised basis. So that will be interesting. Whether it arrives tomorrow, not many people think it will, but that's one of those outliers it's that could risk. go and, uh, yep. and, and really upend uh, so it's going to be a pretty uh, influential time because you can imagine you know, what happens in the bond market goes and permeates through to the equity market and the other uh, individual sectors and companies. So Well, we'll particularly since, as we know, the RBA has been fighting that three-year part of the curve. It's throwing dollars after dollars at the April 24 to try to keep it at that 10 basis points. But if inflation pops to the upside, that is going to be harder to control. It's going to be a big time at 11.30 come tomorrow morning here in Australia. Well, we better go and cool our heels. It's going to be a big day ahead. We've got those big tech giants reporting again overnight. So we'll be uh, ready to go come 8.30 in the morning. Hope to go and see you then. All right. Feed up. See you at 8.30. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.